So before we start the penultimate episode of Let's Shape the Future Series 2, I just want to say a big thank you for all of your support um, up until now. It's been amazing to have the feedback and response from the listeners, so thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this series and hope you have also. As you know, Let's Shape the Future is a show where I chat with business leaders, inspiring individuals and more about who and what is shaping the future. And this episode is no different. So without further ado, let's crack on with the penultimate episode of Let's Shape the Future Series 2. Hello and welcome to a really exciting episode of Let's Shape the Future. Um, on today's show, we've got a leader in Europe's largest technology company. Um, Jill Papelka is the president of SAP Success Factors and joins me today to discuss her career journey, all things people and much more. Jill, thank you very much for joining me today. I'm excited to be with you today, Ben. Thanks for having me. So for those that aren't aware, did you want to give a description of, of who success factors are within SAP and then what your role in the business entails? Sure, I'm happy to do that. So um, success factors, who occasionally gets called the name of our vision, which is HXM, human experience management, um, is the largest cloud line of business uh, at SAP. It's a global cloud line of business that um, handles what was formerly known as HR or human resources. And then for a while it was known as human capital management. And now, as we mentioned, we've created this new category called human experience management. And it's really all of those functions that surround helping people really be inspired and driven and being their best selves at work. So everything from recruiting to onboarding to performance and goals and talent management to developing yourself and learning. Um, and then payroll and benefits and all those other exciting elements of HR. It covers the whole spectrum then. Covers the whole spectrum. <laughs> and, and so my role as president is just to help bring all those things to market, right? Bring it to bear. So product development, helping our customers understand how to leverage our technology. Um, we have an incredible customer community. So we have over 11,000 customers in, a, in total. And that's across our success factors portfolio. We also have um, Litmus, which is a learning solution that we acquired in sales performance management, which is like a commissions tool that helps with, um, ties into compensation to uh, compensate sales teams, things like that. Um, and so that whole suite, 11,000 customers around the world, it's, it's massive, right? And so I get to talk to some really exciting uh, customers every single day. I bet it keeps your diary busy then with that many customers. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, so, so looking at your career as a whole, how have your roles developed over time and what then drew you into the world of enterprise technology? Oh, it's a, it's a fun question because I grew up in Texas and further, I grew up in a small town in the middle of Texas. So you might think of that as like as far from civilization and technology as you could almost get. Uh, then I went to work for, at the time, Anderson Consulting, what we know today as Accenture. And I learned about different companies and business models and how businesses operate around the world through process re-engineering and systems implementations. Um, about 10 years ago, a little bit more, uh, I came to work for SAP. And I came to work for SAP still in a consulting role. So um, SAP has its own internal consulting organization um, that serves our customers. And I was working there and had the opportunity then uh, to go to Asia, live in Singapore, and understand the markets of Asia. It was the most fascinating time in my career. And I've built some amazing friendships and learned more, I think, than any other time in my life then. So any opportunity that you have to travel overseas, I recommend it. Um, and while I was there, I transitioned from working in a consulting role, serving customers in these long-term relationships where we were developing and implementing their software, 
to running sales for success factors in the region. So then all of a sudden I'm selling software, but I realized quickly that selling software in a cloud environment is totally different than selling software in an on-premise world, right? Because when you're selling a cloud solution, you're actually selling a long-term relationship with a customer. You're selling the ability to deliver innovation month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year to help them stay in front of the trends in their industry. And so then, you know, as things happen, um, I came back to the US, I was offered the role as president of Success Factors, and I have the great honor of helping customers understand what we can do for them and what that long-term relationship looks like, and then also work with our product team to develop the right products and stay in front of all the trends in HR. Mm. So, so, so within those roles that you've had, what have been sort of the, any of your, your key learnings? Is, is there any experience that, that has stood out to you as something which has really shaped the way that you operate now? I'm guessing, as you mentioned, the, the move to Asia probably contributed a lot to that. Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the move to Asia helped me understand a few things um, about work in general and about leadership, I think, as well. Um, the move to Asia helped me understand how many different perspectives and experiences we have around the world. And so in any team, if you're just bringing together people who look like you and have had the same experiences as you and live in the same place as you, you're not going to have the best answers to the problems that come up. But if you can be really diverse and inclusive of other perspectives and other experiences, you'll get the best answers. And so, you know, it's it's a great commercial for, for DNI, but I learned it real time because when you're dealing with a team in Japan and a team in India, right? They have a totally different perspective on the world. They've grown up with different experiences. You bring them to solve a problem and they can make magic happen, right? You're, you're looking at then bringing together like the connection and the deep uh, trust um, that India has to make it operate in the structure and tradition. That, I mean, that real careful attention to detail that they have in Japan. And again, um, the best decisions seem to come out of that diverse environment. Do you do you find then that the, that's like a huge benefit of the job that you've got now, where you can work globally and really get perspectives from people of all different cultures and backgrounds to solve one problem? Well, I, I certainly value it more, right? And so when once you see that magic happening in person, you want to get diverse perspectives. I'm I'm often looking for people who disagree with me um, <laughs> in order to bring them into a meeting because that's going to provide the best dialogue. That's going to challenge me. Um, in, in terms of my beliefs for where we need to go, the direction we need to go, and it's going to make everybody at the table better. So looking at, um, obviously, you've been around enterprise technology for, for a fair amount of time. What have you seen as some of the biggest changes in the enterprise tech space during your career? Would, would you say that, as with any business, sort of customer requirements have massively changed over time, which has then required a business like SAP and success factors to really be agile and adapt to those? Well, certainly. I mean, so many changes. And sometimes there's a pendulum, I think, right, that swings <laughs> back and forth and, and you find that nothing is new in the world. Um, you know, when I was very first um, in the enterprise technology space, I was working for Accenture, of course, and everything was custom, right? And so custom build, best of breed, like that was kind of the trend of the day. And then all of a sudden, everyone wanted integration, right? And they wanted a seamless experience across all of their technology. And so all of a sudden, it was sweet. And, and now we're in this cloud space. Um, I believe that customers will continue to want the flexibility that comes with um, open APIs, that comes with the ability to leverage that latest and greatest new startup technology. 
um, while not sacrificing the robust stability of a solution like like SuccessFactor. So um, not to be a commercial for ourselves, but this cloud mindset where people really want you to think about how are you delivering the latest and greatest innovation for my product uh, will continue for some time, right? Because it's um, it, it's just the way that the market's going. It's the lowest TCO model for the customer. And it allows um, those of us that are really focused on the HR space to do what we do best and develop the products for the HR space. And so, you know, apply that to any industry. Um, but then they also want to have cool, new, fun features that make them special, right? And so you have to have the flexibility and the ability to integrate there. Uh, one thing that I want to mention, uh, enterprise technology has not always had the greatest uh, reputation when it comes to experience, right? To having this great intuitive user interface and, and be easy to work with. And I believe that's becoming much more relevant, not just in the people space, but across all of technology. People expect an easy to use intuitive interface that helps guide them uh, through their experience in their task or in their job uh, every day. Mm, I think it's quite a good point because um, it, it's something we find within, within SAP quite a lot, isn't it? Where you have all of these really cool, innovative startups and, and one of the sort of the, the main pillars is is the user interface is how easy for it's to use but it's important to recognize that some, someone like sap and success factors you have the best of both worlds where you have that really cool innovative user interface but with the robustness and support network around it don't you so um yeah completely agree and obviously earlier we mentioned um hcm human capital management and, and hxm and I, I saw someone say something really interesting recently that HCM has fully now transitioned into HXM. Did you want to um, elaborate a little bit more on what HXM is, how it differs to HCM, and why it's so important for every business? Oh, I'd love to. So HCM, human capital management. At the time, it was a big step up from HR, right? Human resources, that wasn't important. Those were just the people. All of a sudden, businesses were recognizing that people were actually assets. They were capital for their organization and they needed to recognize them as assets. And so, you know, in the eighties, that was a really big deal. Like, wait a minute, we need to actually value our people. Okay. Okay. We should do that. Yes. Yes. We should value our people. We should value our people just like we value assets. Right. And you think you're doing great. And then you realize when you consider people assets, assets depreciate, right? There are a lot of things that you don't want to associate um, people as assets. And so we came up with human experience management because we believe that putting people at the center of your business is what makes sense. And when you talk to economists and demographers and people that look toward the future, you realize that no matter what the scenario, people are at the center. AI can continue to grow. Machine learning is great but it's still gonna be the human intellect. It's gonna be human connection and human creativity that continues to drive us forward. And so we need people at the center of business and we need people's experiences to be such that they are allowed to really be their best at work, to bring their strengths to work, to bring their whole self to work. And that will inherently, when directed toward the company purpose, drive business growth. And so I think it's a really exciting time when we're finally realizing the true value and potential of humans in our business enterprises. Mm. No, I agree. I think it's quite interesting you say that because you really see the the shift in like a business becomes successful because of the people that operate within it. So for the business to continue growing, you need those employees to feel valued and have all the services they require. Otherwise, the business itself is going to become stagnant and not be able to keep up with competitors. And I was speaking to 
as I mentioned earlier, the um, MD for EMEA for Shopify recently, and I sort of asked the question, they sort of started as a startup, similar to success factors, and I sort of posed the question in, as you grow, how do you keep that sort of startup mentality and, and the sort of constant need for growth and innovation? And she said, it's all about the people. It's giving the people the resources they need and reducing that chain of command and really showing people that they all have a voice within the business and they are what makes the business successful. Oh, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. So giving them those tight connections. I mean, 2020 was a incredible pivot year, right? Because not only did we have this pandemic, we all started working from home and between behind computer screens. And I think all of us, at least in the beginning, we missed that human connection. We realized how important it is to have a shared energy in the room with one another, right? And so all of a sudden people became very central. Um, CHROs and CEOs from around the world wanted to talk to us about how do I keep my people really engaged? How do I keep them creative and productive? even when they're at home and without other people around them or worse with all their kids and dogs and, you know, health concerns and all the things that they're worried, how do I connect and engage them? Right. So it's brought on this whole new importance, this level of awareness amongst our leaders about how we need to care about people's engagement and people's well-being, but also how do we make sure that they're connected to our purpose at the company, right? How do we ensure that they understand their role well and empower them to do their job effectively? Mm. No, it's, it's, it's a great point. And I think, as you say, the last couple of years has also emphasized how there really needs to be a connection between the business and their employees. It's not as simple as someone just working for a company. It's, it's how do they engage with each other? And I know like, Within SAP, especially, obviously, we know we've had more all hands, we've had more check-ins, surveys, stuff like that, just to make sure that everyone's got everything they need and everyone feels valued. Because that's when you have the sort of um, domino effect of they then become more productive because they feel valued in the business, and then that makes the business more successful. And it's just it's just a constant cycle. Um, so put, putting a lens on success factors HXM specifically, what do you think makes it such a good solution for businesses nowadays? Well, I, I mentioned it's breadth, right? Um, and I think that's important because you, you need to be able to cover all of the different elements. We've also reimagined our user experience. And so the new homepage, the way that uh, an employee interacts with the solution is fun and colorful and easy and intuitive. Um, a quick story, Ernst & Young, as you know, has 300,000 employees around the world. Um, I was talking to their chief people officer because recently they went live with success factors without incident to their employees around the world. Um, and I said, why did you choose success factors? And he said, well, we have a relatively young workforce. Our average age is 37. So Ernst & Young has an average age of 37. He knew that the demands were going to be high for their um, people system. And he said, success factors was the most fun user interface. He said, I evaluated you guys based on your new homepage and we knew it was gonna be best for our workforce. What a great compliment, right? And I think that goes to show how important the experience is, right? Mm -hmm. the, um, the process, that's expected. The process better be there. The data consistency, that better be there, right? But customers more and more are going to buy on the experience that we're giving to their employees. So I think that's the experience, very important. Yeah, it's a good point because um, obviously earlier we mentioned about sort of startups and sort of disruptors in the industry. And as you say, a lot of businesses have got the process nailed down. It's the it's the other things that then will 
bring in the customers and, and, and is what the customers come to expect from um, businesses nowadays. You look at if you look at financial services, for example, you can no longer have a, a mobile banking app that's really sort of a poor user interface. You look at the, the Revoluts, the Monzos and those sorts of companies. It's all about how can I make this the most appealing for my customer? And that's really that's what's going to draw them in. So, no, it is it's a great point. And um, I know I was, earlier we spoke about the move to cloud and how important cloud is move, moving forward. I know that you've got an initiative called HXM Move. Did you want to talk a little bit about that and and why cloud technology should be embraced? Absolutely. So companies today um, that remain in an on-prem world, they have a static piece of software, right? And so they can continue to update it. They can change their processes and then spend the time it takes to change their solution. Or they can move into a cloud world where those updates, those new innovations will just be delivered for them. And I, I, I think you, you tell that story and I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, but further, there's, there's less total cost of ownership um, in a cloud environment. And so I think, you know, just from a business perspective, if you're talking to the CFO, that may be a more, a more relevant justification. Um, but, but here's the thing about our markets today in the world today. It's changing at an ever-increasing pace, right? So think about the change that you experienced 10 years ago, and then think about the change that we're experiencing now in the world and how fast everything changes. You have to be agile. And so that innovation that's delivered on a regular basis from your cloud software provider is critical, right? And you need to know what's coming and you need to know how to take advantage of it and how to roll that out to your employees. So important. Further businesses, and now I'm going to back up and just talk about people for a second. Businesses have to be agile and how they develop and deploy their talent, right? So as you know, we're we're talking about some financial services. Banks recently had to take their entire workforce and shift them to working from home. They all of a sudden had to enable their teams to working from home, right? They they shifted um, some of the skills that were, you know, inherent to what their teams were doing today. They had to reskill their employees to do a different job from home, right? Because the the needs of the the industry changed. Um, That business agility is necessary. And, and working in HR today, you're most worried about how you continue to evolve your landscape of talent uh, for the future so that you can continue to develop those, um, to deliver on your business results, right? Well, we have a solution that integrates learning as well as performance and goals and your development goals as well that can help keep your workforce agile, right? And also provide opportunities to people as they want to move through the organization. Sometimes you need to shift. Sometimes you want to give people the opportunity to shift so that they can continue to grow as individuals in their career. So overall, it's innovation. It's innovation and change and keeping up with those things. I couldn't have asked for a better answer to that question. I think, um, they, as, as you say, it's all about the customer's requirements, the customer's looking for not only the, the solution and for um, the, the center to be around people, but then there's also the other stakeholders. So you look at the CFO, they're looking for sort of the, the lowest TCO and that sort of side of stuff. But something like success factors, it covers all bases and and it provides the innovation, the user experience, the the people at the center and the lowest TCO. So um, you can't exactly complain with that, can you? Um, so obviously you've, you've led the success factors team for, for a while now. What have been some of your highlights of leading that global team over the last couple of years? Well, um, so many, I mean, so, so many. 
highlights. Uh, you know, we've had some great customer successes. Um, I could tell some of those stories, but let me let me just share this one. Um, when when the pandemic hit and all of a sudden everyone was in lockdown, I felt like there was a lot of uncertainty um, in our business and our teams. And so I huddled with my communications team and we said, what do we need to do? Well, the suggestion was we need to meet with kind of smaller groups of people. Like all hands are great, but it's a real one directional dialogue at that point, right? Even a Q&A, like it's hard to really feel engaged. And so they suggested um, a world tour so that we had our executives, our leaders meeting with smaller groups, like 100, 150 employees, let's say in Europe, right? And then 100, 150 in Asia. And then we just continued it around the globe. It gave me the opportunity to listen to each region. We called it a listening tour. It's exactly what it was. I shared a little bit about the confidence that I had in our business and how we would survive this pandemic and people's jobs were safe. Um, and then I allowed them to ask questions. What was fascinating was I really got a flavor for each region, right? Their concerns were different then, right? In, in North America, they, they were so worried about their comp plan, right? They're worried about how are we going to get paid? Is this going to be adjusted? You know, there are a lot of questions there. In Asia, they were much more worried about job security. And so everybody had a slightly different tone and set of questions. Europe just wanted to keep operating like they were operating, right? Hey, that's fine. We'll work from home, but can we keep going like we're going? Yes, absolutely, right? Let's, let's continue the, the progress. So it was really good for me to get to hear from each of the employees. And I would love, I think we're doing it again later this year, even pandemic or none, right? It's a meaningful way to connect with all of our employees. Um, at the end of the year, we had an employee engagement score that was not only higher than ever before, it had trended up more than ever before. And so we really get 86% employee engagement, um, you know, nine or 10 points, I think, above what we had before. Leadership trust had increased. And, and these are really meaningful metrics for me, right? As a leader in a pandemic, a new leader even, um, I wanted to make sure that everyone felt like they were contributing to something greater than themselves and confident that they could keep doing their best from home and in the time zones that they needed to, and I mean, time zones, not just in time zone, but you know, some people need to wake up and get their kids mm. to start learning online. Some people need to take off a little bit earlier, you know, whatever their situation, I wanted them to be empowered to take care of themselves, take care of their families, and then continue to do a great job at work. It's, it's great to hear stories like that because it's, it's so good to hear about how employees really have a voice in the business you like sap's got close to a, a hundred thousand employees so it's like how is is a people at, at any level do, how do they get a voice to the people that really make the decisions and it's great to hear stories like that where you have someone like yourself who's who's willing to to go to all of these places and really say look how are you feeling what is your feedback what questions do you have for me unfiltered what do you want to ask what do you want to know and um, I think that really builds a sense of trust and also comes back to the whole the relationship between the employee and the business and there's a real connection there so um, no it, it, it that was it's a great initiative and uh, you know I'll, I'll try and come to the one in Europe if you do later on this year uh, um, so in, in terms of leadership you mentioned there do you have any specific individuals you look up to as great leaders and draw inspiration from and, and do you think it's important to have those individuals in mind when you're trying to shape yourself as a leader oh sure um so you know so many leaders over the course of my career have been meaningful um i'll give you an example so when i was at anderson consulting the ceo that i recall most was joe forehand and joe forehand was the ceo of accenture 
who said something that was really meaningful to me. He said, every week you should have a sweaty palm moment. And I was like, that sounds weird. What does that mean? <laughs> and he was like, you should be nervous about something, right? You should be stretching yourself so that you're not always in your comfort zone. You're not always going about, you know, life in that um, rhythm that your brain has, you know, they say that you can like drive to work without even thinking about it. Now you can walk into your home office without even thinking about how many things do we do without thinking? I want to be a thinker, right? Mm-hmm. Every day I want to be thinking about something. So having some sweaty palm moments, that was very inspiring. Um, I'm a big fan of Abraham Lincoln. And I know that's kind of historical, maybe kind of dorky for this cool, flashy podcast, but Abraham Lincoln is a leader. He did a couple of things. First of all, um, Doris Kearns Goodwin wrote a book called Team of Rivals because Abraham Lincoln brought together people that didn't agree with him into his cabinet. He brought people that had argued vehemently against him in the election and the campaigns that he'd run before, um, but he valued their knowledge and their skill set and how they shaped him. And so he brought together this team of rivals. Obviously, they did great things. Um, another principle that he had was never to call someone out in group. So if there was something that was absolutely wrong, he didn't embarrass someone in a, in a big group of people in public. He would take them in private and address the situation, right? And allow them to move forward. And I think um, respect for others is really important. Um, and so Abraham Lincoln, and then uh, here's, a, here's a crazy one, people that I respect and learn from, um, my kids. And here's the deal. Uh, they've had a totally different set of experiences that I have. They have more information um, in their hands at this age than I did right? And less experience with which to handle all that information. And yet they are managing through that, right? And they're learning so fast and they're looking, they're seeking for other experiences. Um, You're running a podcast right now, Ben, that is amazing, right? That inspires me. Like you inspire me. This is so cool to be part of a podcast led by someone who has these exciting questions. And you're going to challenge me on this, on this podcast. You're not scared, right? To ask (laughs) me the hard questions. That's awesome. Um, my kids are going out into every day. Not only that, they're, they're doing it in a pandemic. So I have a daughter that's in college. She's trying to figure out what is the workforce going to look like? How do I get a job in this current economy? My son's in high school trying to graduate and figure out, you know, how to do what he does from home half the time. Um, he works it out really well. He basically spends half of his day streaming and playing video games and the rest <laughs> of it sort of doing homework, I think. So, <laughs> but I'm learning every day from, um, from people that are younger than us, because they've had a really interesting journey, really interesting experience so far and such a great fresh perspective. Mm, no, I agree. I think, as you say, it's so important to have people of different backgrounds and different ages and different experiences to shape you as an individual, because I find that as well, even as you say, during, during this podcast, the, the breadth of guests has just been amazing, but they've all brought something different and I can then take the advice from all of them and then help to shape me as a better individual moving forward so as you say it's so important to have that variety so that you can then take your judgment with input from multiple individuals and help make yourself the best that you can be so um yeah no completely agree and and um so obviously the last 18 months have obviously been been tough for everyone have you had to adjust your leadership style at all over the lot and obviously there's a lot more engagement between employees but have you had to adjust your style at all so a fun story when i was going to asia when i was on um it was the day before i left and i was talking to adair fox martin so former board member at sap and just an amazing fountain of wisdom um she's she's so incredible she said jill one thing about asia and working in asia every time the plane touches down you have to be a slightly different leader 
And I was like, huh, what does that mean? But what she meant was the people that you are going to lead every time the plane touches down in Asia are going to need something a little bit different, right? We talked about Japan. They need something different. Well, in Korea, um, HR is still really linear, right? And so it's just, you move from this role to this role after two years, and then to this role after two more years in this role. And so having um, a conversation with a CHRO in Korea is totally different than having um, a conversation with a CHRO in Australia. Well, well, the teams needed different guidance in order to do their job effectively. Like Korea is introducing these whole new concepts. The CHROs in Australia are like, can you guys catch up, right? We're, we're already, <laughs> we're going there. We're, we're already there, help us, help us achieve this. Um, so, so understanding your audience is where I'm going, right? It, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be a plane touching down. It, it means that every time that I dial into a new Zoom or Teams or WebEx, every time that I dial in, I want to understand who is the audience so that you can bring the most value possible to that audience. And, and I sincerely believe that leadership is an act of service today if you're doing it right. Because as we've talked about on this call, people are amazing. People are resilient and innovative and creative and fun and energetic. And when you give them the chance, they can do amazing things, but you have to be in service to them and help them figure out where to apply all of that greatness. Mm. And I know obviously earlier you, you mentioned about how a big part of that is inclusivity and people at the center, but making sure that everyone is valued and everyone has that voice. So why do you think it's so important for businesses to embrace inclusivity in the workforce? Well, I think for a long time, um, you know, business were, businesses were driven based on the loudest voices, right? And that was an easy thing to do. You know, you, you drive and you make decisions that are going to grow revenue and, you know, it's pretty black and white, right? We just go that direction. But when you start thinking about long-term success of business, when you start thinking about sustainability and how you want to have an impact on the world, your focus on impacting the world will determine how you are able to attract new talent, <clears throat> right? You know this, because when people are looking for jobs today, they're looking for a way to make a difference in the world, not just to get a paycheck. Um, 20, 30 years ago, maybe people were just looking to get a paycheck, but today we've, we've lifted really the, the level of um, the standards of living so much that people are able to think about how am I impacting the world? And the, the smartest, best talent coming out of university today, they want to impact the world more than they want that big paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to create companies with a mission, with a purpose, with a long-term view of success. And then we'll um, attract the best talent and then we'll change the world because it will be a continually perpetuating cycle of greatness. Mm, I'd echo that point because it, we, we see that within SAP, obviously, we have like the the One Billion Lives program, which you mentioned Adair earlier. Obviously, Adair was at the core of that. And I've been involved in, in One Billion Lives over the last couple of years. And it's amazing to see how, yes, we, we work for this global company called SAP, but at the core of that, they really do want to make a difference, whether that's to their customers or that's through programs like One Billion Lives and, and how can we really use our software to positively impact a billion people. So um, as you say, I'd echo the point because I see that in in my peers, in people a couple of years below coming out of university. Yes, they, they'd like a job that obviously pays a, a decent amount. Everyone needs to, to survive, but there's there's a lot more to it we spoke about how customers want a great user interface and there's it, the the requirements have changed the requirements of an employee have changed as you say and they they want a lot more than just the money they want that 
how can I really make a difference in this role? Why should I go with this company? What impact is it going to have rather than going for the other that's got the same sort of salary, but isn't going to make an impact? Well, I'm going to go to the one that really does um, do some stuff for sustainability or, or, for, or for anything. So yeah, no, completely agree. And, and you, earlier you mentioned about upskilling and reskilling, which I know that you're really passionate about and has been huge over the last um, year with, with, with COVID-19. Why do you think that's so important to businesses, but also to employees and, and how does it sort of benefit the longevity of both of them? So you've hit on a passion topic of mine, and this is actually, um, I think it's a pretty strong passion area of Christian clients as well, um, our CEO, and that's around learning. It's around educating, learning, growth mindset. You know, those are all, you know, topics worthy of a a whole podcast segment then, but um, why am I so passionate about it? Because the future of the world depends on it, right? We talked, I just talked about kind of raising the standard of living, right? In many places, we've still got a lot of work to do. And I believe that often centers around education, right? How are we educating the whole world to understand how to take care of themselves, to understand what it means to be financially independent, right? And what it means to really have a great future um, and be healthy and contribute to the world, right? I mean, those are all kind of the advanced stages, but but you've got to start with, let's educate people on how to take care of themselves. We need to educate people on, on the basics of financial so that they can support a family, right? and then about how to be a responsible citizen. Um, That learning brought up a level to to kind of where we are in the enterprise software space also makes us the best every day at work, right? And so how do we help people understand the principles of technology, right? And, And if everyone is constantly seeking to learn more, if we truly do have this concept of a growth mindset where we're seeking to understand each other, we're seeking to understand the concepts, um, to make our technology better, we're seeking to understand the market in which we're operating, then we will be better at all those things that we just discussed. It's an idealistic model, right? But I believe learning is at the center and, and that if we can help people grow and learn every single day, then the world becomes a better place. Mm, and it, it really comes back to like trying to always become a better version of yourself. And you touched on the point there where about learning from loads of different people and and it's exactly why I started this podcast is how can I learn from so many different people and use their experiences to shape me as a better person for my future and and I've seen huge benefits from it so um yeah no I'd I'd completely agree that there's so many amazing people that you can learn from and use their experiences to better shape how you approach your life um so looking into the future are the possible what do you see as as hxm trends that are really shaping the industry well um obviously we talked about business agility and upskilling and reskilling the opportunity marketplace really attracting talent with your overall view of career um, experience right and you can you can think of career experience uh, at an individual level what does that mean for an individual right as they come into your organization giving them flexibility um, obviously so that's a trend right how do we support and enable you know constant change to keep up with the change in the world um, secondly i believe that learning and micro learning and learning in the flow of work is a huge trend as we go forward i mean let's think about how you learn today how do you learn today you want to know something then there's something that like really been bothering you, you don't know enough about, you know, this topic, maybe it's um, 
I don't know, you're going to get a new washing machine and you need to go install that. You know, I don't really want to pay for it. I'm a pretty technical guy. I'm going to go install that. Where do you go learn about how to do that? YouTube, probably. Some of that. Yeah, yeah, you and the rest of the world. Everybody is using YouTube, right? <laughs> to go get those short videos and understand. I asked my son the other day and I, I asked my kids this on a regular basis because they're our emerging workforce. Hey, Cole, how do you how do you learn something? He goes, well, usually I'll get an idea on Twitch and then I'll go to YouTube to actually learn about it. I was like, OK, so the encyclopedia of the world today is YouTube right? Well, guess what? Those people, they just come to work and they want a similar experience. They want to be able to go easily search and find the content that they need to learn what they need. Now, sometimes we have to learn because it's required, like compliance learning. Sometimes we need to learn because, you know, we want the bigger paycheck and we want to learn or want to do something different, right? And you want a new challenge. Those are different types of learning. And then sometimes we just want to learn to feed our soul, right? I just... I want to learn something about a different culture because I've been way too stuck in mind for a while. Right. And so I, I want to go learn a little bit. How do we put learning really in the flow of work? So one of the things we're doing at success factors is we're interfacing with Microsoft teams mm -hmm. so that you'll be able to render, you'll have, you'll have success factors learning show up right in your team's window. So when you're working in Microsoft teams on the day and you think, Oh, I want to go figure this out. You can just go click success factors learning and go find your content through that um, opportunity. I mean, these things are how we're going to stay in front of the trends that are out there today, right? Um, so, so I think preparing for um, continuing agility in business and learning are two of the major trends that we need to focus on. Mm, I think um, just to, to, to round everything up and finish it up, um, obviously we, we've spoken about learning being the core and, and I, I think that's probably going to be the answer to this, to this next question. But if you had one piece of advice for anyone listening, whether that's leaders, employees, or anyone, what would that be? Well, it might, it might be a, a compound answer there. So <laughs> firstly, um, always seek to understand, right? Seek to learn, be curious. But secondly, always add value. So often we're on these video calls and conference calls today, and you may, you may feel like you're just another face on the video screen. Um, you've got special value that you can add. Whatever your experiences are, there's a way for you to add value there. Don't take that lightly, right? So bring your value to the table, offer value to the people that you're interacting with every day. Always seek to understand, always add value. Nice, thanks. And and Jill, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure having having you join me today. Um, it's been great to learn about your experiences and, and why HXM is so important and, and how people are the center of, of businesses nowadays. So um, I can't wait to see Success Factors and their customers go from strength to strength. So, so thank you so much for joining me. Hey Ben, thanks again for having me. This was really fun, that time flew by. And the penultimate episode of Let's Shape the Future Series 2 is complete. I really enjoyed that episode and hope you did also. We've got one more episode to go before the end of the series. Really, really exciting. And that will be with John Watkiss, um, a presentation coach and former Mufasa in The Lion King. So you don't want to miss that. As always, please leave a review if you enjoyed the content. And please share with friends, family, colleagues or anyone else you think would enjoy. Have a great week, guys.